All right, we are good to go. Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of the Only Film Fans podcast. With you today is Jared from Jared Talk Cinema, Brad from Let's Be Real with Brad, and me, Trace, from Pierce Productions. We're here today to talk about YouTube, talk about movies, and uh, the center of today's episode is going to be M. Night Shyamalan. That's going to be the bulk of the episode today, but before we get into that, I was wondering uh, how everyone's week was with YouTube. Yeah, I feel like it's been pretty good. Um, YouTube has been very interesting lately. Uh, I've been working on my Snake Eyes review that should be coming out today. I also be working on a video talking about my best movies of July that I actually didn't do a review on. Um, there's a couple of really good picks that I saw. And right now I'm actually moving uh, to where my girlfriend lives right now. So I'm in a little bit of a transition. Um, so I have a bunch of movies to cover this week. I'm starting a new job next week. So I have a lot going on. So hopefully I can get good content now for everybody. Yeah, for me, I just did my review for Old, which was a lot of fun. And uh, for the upcoming future, I'm gonna be doing some Green Knight and uh, Jungle Cruise. Those will be my next two videos. So I'm pretty excited about seeing both of those too. Yeah, I had a pretty good week too. Um, you know, I started off with going and seeing old, so old Snake Eyes. I talked about that. I did a tag video that Brad, you did a couple weeks ago. So I had a bunch of videos that I had to work on this weekend. And with all those videos I did, I gained a couple subscribers, which is which is always good. And but this week coming up, I don't know how many videos I'm gonna be able to get out. I have finishing touches to do with my bachelor degree. I should be done by Thursday with that. So I have a lot of stuff to do with that. And then this weekend I'm going to Orlando for a bachelor party. So I think that I don't think I'm gonna have many videos coming out this week. Do a documentary uh, on the bachelor party. Do a documentary. It'll be like the hangover. I'm gonna like lose the camera for like the whole weekend. (laughs) Awesome. Swimming pool. So yeah, uh, I'm glad that you guys had a pretty good week on YouTube. But yeah, but I want to before I talk about old because we're talking about old and spoilers. We're talking about M Night in general. I should have listened to you guys on the on the first podcast episode. You guys, you you were pretty harsh about me liking me wanting to see Snake Eyes, and. I should have just listened to you guys because that movie was so terrible. I haven't told anyone this. You guys would be the first to know. I did my out-of-theater reaction to Snake Eyes. And in that reaction video, I said, I might do a review. I'm not sure yet. I'm going to think about it. So a day and a half goes by. And I said, okay, I'm going to try and do a review. So I'm recording the review. And literally halfway through, I just gave up. And I said, you know what? Fuck this. And... I deleted all the footage that I just shot, threw my notes away, and said, I'm done talking about this movie. <laughs> that sounds like you had some serious soul-crushing disappointment. It was so bad. <laughs> Wait, so Jared, have you seen Snake Eyes yet? Actually, I was thinking about it, then I saw his out-of-feeder uh, out reaction video, and just like the look of disappointment that he had on his face and his tone of voice and everything. It just sounded like he was so sad. I was like, I'm not going to do that now. Because I didn't want to see it in the first place. So that sealed the deal for me. It made I me may nauseous. Have... 
the camera shook the entire time. Uh, you can't even look at a ninja fight because the camera was moving the entire time. Damn. Well, she, she'll be good. Yeah, that I feel. I, yeah. That see, my whole thing with the movie, like, I'm not getting to spoilers or anything, but like, it should have just focused itself as like a Snake Eyes movie, and it ended up just being like a GI Joe setup movie, which is exactly what I was afraid of. And I feel like some people are gonna be like, "Who in the hell are these? Some of these characters showing up?" And as someone who's kind of knows the lore a little bit, I was just like, "Why are we doing this?" And it was kind of boring. Like, I was really bored through most of it. Uh, it, it was yeah. boring. And the thing that bothered me is Snake Eyes is a jerk. I, I, I don't, I wasn't rooting for him. He's supposed to be, I don't know too much about G.I. Joe, but he's supposed to be like a noble character and like hero and stuff. And he was just a jerk in this movie. But anyway, I should have seen Old. So let's go ahead and move into Old because all three of us did see that, correct? Yes, yes. we did. All right, and all three of us have our own reviews on old on our channels, but in this video, we're going to talk spoilers on it, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, should we go into M. Night first? Because I feel like everyone has different opinions about the director himself, just so we can kind of like tell the audience of, you know, what we got about M. Night. Whatever your heart desires. Okay. Yeah, um, let's talk about the backstory of the guy, I feel. Yeah. All right. So I guess I'll start off. Uh, so we kind of talked a little bit about it last episode, but I actually watched every single M. Night Shyamalan movie. I put that in my review and seeing this movie, like I didn't really like it that much, but then when I thought about it, I did a little more research on it. I liked it a lot more. I don't think M. Night is a horrible director. I know there's a lot of people who really hate The Last Ambender and I do too, but I don't think he's just a completely horrible director but i know people are definitely going to disagree with me there um i think he's just an average mediocre director like i talked about my review also for jared i specifically did not want to watch your review yet until we talked about it because i kind of wanted to hear some of your like raw thoughts here on the podcast and i want to see like if it changes a little bit when we talk about then when i go see and watch your review so and i watched i watched traces so (laughs) Yeah, that great cameo at the end of his video. <laughs> yes, that was that was clever. I liked that. And my grandpa was happy to be uh, be involved. <laughs> well, Brad, as I was leaving the theater, my tire almost exploded. Like as soon as I pulled it out of the parking lot. So that right there sums up my experience with old pretty much. It was like a bad omen. Yeah, I was like, that's a sign right there. Goddamn. So yeah, I thought it was really not that good at all. And it wasn't like his worst movie he's ever done, but it certainly was not good for sure. Brad, you you thoughts before I start countering what Jared said, do you, you want to go in first before I start like defending the movie or yeah, yeah. So I know I know Trace, you like this movie a lot more than I do. And I kind of I think my whole thing is when I did a lot more research on the graphic novel Sandcastle you kind of see a lot of the changes that he was able to do, especially with the whole like ending of it, which I thought was, which I didn't really like, but there is like, he changed a lot of the characters. He gave him a lot more backstory. And I think that like putting that into perspective and knowing this isn't really like a horror movie in essence, I think that's kind of like my whole like vibe going into it. I was like, oh man, this is a horror movie, but it's really more of a thriller. And I think when you put it into that aspect, I liked it a lot more. 
But I think if I watched it again, I don't know if I would like it as much. This is something that I can see myself rewatching every couple of years and still finding the enjoyment that I was able to find sitting in the theater. I knew ahead of time not to expect this as a horror movie. So I had that mindset. And I also saw other people kind of not saying it was the worst thing ever, but having mixed opinions, I guess I should say. So that kind of lowered my expectations. And then in my review, if you guys saw it, I said that I'm really not a big M. Night fan. There's only, I can only count on my hand, probably the movies that I enjoy from him, but none of the movies he's made, I've never loved, if, if you know what I'm saying. So I think that having that backstory of not really enjoying his movies and seeing those mixed receptions was able to kind of lower my expectations because I was able to go in there and just have fun and enjoy the story that he was telling me. And also that, that Sandcastle novel, I, I didn't know this, is, this was based on a novel until the credits. So yeah, I didn't have any previous backstory with that. Well, I think, well, I said this in my review, and my Shyamalan, like I take a lot of issue with the guy, like as a person, honestly, like, I think he's extremely pretentious, like with Lady in the Water, like how he cast himself as being like the savior of humanity. Like that was insane and ridiculously cringe like he really shouldn't have done that <laughs> and then yeah the last airbender is like an abomination against humanity and yeah i'm gonna stand by what i said that after the last airbender came out he should not have been allowed to work again like every studio should have well that actually is kind of what happened because like he did the visit and and split on his own so i guess maybe he did get kind of blacklisted a little bit but yeah um last airbender is absolutely terrible and that was so disrespectful to the show and to like the people who like the show and everything and it was an absolute travesty and i was interested in old because like uh the premise was really cool and the trailers were cool and everything i was like okay this could be good and like i said it's it's not terrible but it's it's the best of his bad movies that's how i would phrase it but it's still pretty bad okay so i think sorry i was gonna say uh so i think we should like Okay, Chase, you 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 go on a different question that I was gonna go with. I was because Brad clearly doesn't like M Night as a director. I was gonna say, are there any movies that you do enjoy from him? Or sorry, Jared. I meant Jared. Um, there are a lot of you're saying that you don't like him as a director, but are there any movies that you can find any enjoyment in from him or no? I mean, well, I mean, I meant like I don't like him as a person. That's what I was specifically referring to. But as a director, he has made some good movies. Yeah, like his first three. Well, like you know six cents unbreakable and signs i think those three are very very good for sure and the village is pretty good too and then um like he has more good movies than bad movies but like movies that are bad are really really bad you know i like, take the worst direct like, the worst movie from like pretty much every major director and shaman's got them all beat in terms of like bad movies i would say gotcha like, he can do sense. good movies he just chooses not to that's another reason i don't like him that much as a person it's like he's lazy basically like he just he doesn't really seem to care that much yeah, I can totally understand where you're coming from, especially more in the dialogue. I know dialogue and especially a lot of Shaman's later movies are quite bad and they're very pretentious and they're trying to go for a deeper metaphor that I don't think always comes across as being that deep. Um, if you, 
I know you guys don't have letterbox, but on letterbox, I have over like 220 lists. And what I do is I have like lists of all the franchise movies and directors. So when I did M night, I actually add up every single like rating I've given for each of his movies. Then I divide it by how many movies he has. And that's kind of like, I only pretty much just give him like a number. I know it's not like a great thing to do, but it kind of gives me an idea of what I actually would think of the director. So like, I think my average rating of him as a director is like a 4.8. So it's like a five, which to me is like an average mediocre director because like you were saying, his bad movies are really bad, but he also has some movies in there like Wide Awake and his first film that he ever did, uh, Praying With Anger. They're just not good movies, but then he has some like really good movies like you were saying. So I don't know. I, I don't like hate him, but I think that he does try though. I like, I can definitely see where it could become kind of lazy. Um, I just don't think he knows how to end his movies. And I think that's going to be a big discussion that we're going to talk about, especially with his last movie, Glass, which I didn't think ended all that well either. See, this is where I disagree with both of you because you're saying that he doesn't try and you're saying he's lazy. And I think that he is trying because look at Avatar and After Earth. Terrible movies, right? But then I think that he saw what he did wrong. He listened to some of the audiences, maybe some of his friend filmmakers. He came out with The Visit. He started really low budget again and built his way back up um, because he knew that the last two movies he did were travesties, atrocious. So I think that he, it, I think that he does try. I, don't, I wouldn't say that he's lazy because, because he took those two movies and started, I would say he started fresh with the village, or not the village, the visit, and then went to split, and then to glass, and now to here, and so yeah, I don't think it's fair to say that he's lazy or doesn't try, because I, I can I can see that he did try with old, it just didn't land. I mean, I could understand, like, I, like okay, maybe I came across as like a little different. I don't necessarily think he, like, doesn't care. I think he does try to put some effort into his movies, but I do, I do think that as much as you try as a director, though, I do think there are some avenues where it just comes off as lazy. And I think it's more the writing because I really think if he was just directing most of these movies and someone else wrote the script, I think these movies would have been better. But I think he's so keen on trying to write these movies and they become off as very pretentious or almost just like a lot of just it almost seems like he's trying to put so much detail into the movies, but doesn't go all the way through with them. And sometimes with the dialogue, it feels like first draft writing. And that to me is a little lazy where some of the dialogue and old and especially like the visit have some first draft kind of writing where you're just like, like characters wouldn't talk like this. Like he does make children talk like adults. And to me, like, I think you can just fix that in your second draft, but I do think he tries for the his audience and for that i just think he gets a little lazy sometimes in my own opinion though i mean yeah, yeah old had some pretty bad dialogue like that um the restaurant scene at the beginning or <laughs> yeah. like the, the woman was having a seizure like what her husband said like he was like i have expected the twist to be that they were all robots or something like the way he delivered <laughs> those lines and even what he said, too, he was like, my wife was having a seizure. My name's Jared. And I'm like, what the? It was just such a weird way to say it. I was like, what the hell? So, yeah. I don't know if that was the dialogue. I think that may have just been the actor because I noticed in another scene that guy acted like that again, and it kind of stood out. 
I think it may just be the actor. He's a better actor than I'll ever be, but I think that that was the actor. I think it's the director, actually, because that guy is also in Lost. He's pretty good on that show. And the director is supposed to get good performances out of the actors, and that was not a good performance. So I think Shyamalan directed him that way. Okay. All right. Yeah, Uh, I agree on that. I think we should head over to the third act because I think that is something that everyone's going to be very mixed on. So Trace, I want you to talk about the third act and the twist in the reveal. We're going into spoilers here. Okay. So talking about spoilers for old. Yeah. The third act. When, when do you, what do you classify as the third act when they do the last transition, like past the Alex Wolf actor? Yeah, pretty much like so. The After part the where like is at the third act. Yeah, pr- pretty much when like M Night like goes into his car and like goes to the facility. I don't know if that's like the third act or not, but like kind of when they decide to go into the coral reef. I feel like from that point on. Okay, so you find out that M Night is indeed watching them. I realized that a, a while into the movie. At first, the reflection. I didn't know what the reflection was. I thought maybe that that was where they had to escape to. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, that reflection, the kids are going to remember that reflection. That's where they need to escape to. But then they do like a close out shot of that mountain. And I saw a purple shirt and I said, oh, okay, that's the driver. I remember he was wearing a purple shirt. So then I started saying, okay, so he knows what's going on with the beach and they're recording it and tracking it and stuff like that. So I figured that out. But the big twist is really not that big of a twist. But the big twist is they're they're doing these test subjects on the beach for like a pharmaceutical company um, to, to save people's diseases without testing lifelong diseases. They can do everything in like a day, day and a half. So to me, the twist, it wasn't really that that good, I guess. But for some reason, it still didn't bother me because I still believed that that is something that in that world could actually happen. And I was I was kind of like entranced. I was already moved with the movie and you guys clearly were already checked out. So I think that because you guys were checked out, it stuck out even more. But because I was already enjoying the movie, I think that I was able to keep riding along with it. I actually really like the twist. That was actually, I would say, probably the best part of the whole thing. Like, that's the one thing I'll give Shyamalan is he is pretty good at coming up with these twists. And even though, like, I would say it's probably my least favorite Shyamalan twist, I thought it was still really cool. Like, it was kind of predictable. Like, when it showed the dude, like, watching them, I was like, okay, this is obviously some kind of government testing thing. But, like, I actually kind of like the moral implications of that somewhat. Like, not saying I condone this, but like when they were kind of giving giving their reasoning where they were like, oh yeah, you know, um, we're doing, we see like an entire lifetime of results in one day. So we're able to come up with this stuff and save all these people. I mean, it's not good to like, you know, kill these innocent people for your testing and stuff, but a lot of people are going to be saved down the road because of that. So like I said, still, I think it's still wrong that they did that, but it was still kind of had that interesting moral quantity to it although no one seems to be talking about that but i mean i thought it was kind of an interesting little moral thing there right i can understand why they did what they did yeah so like i think the twist as itself is pretty good because when i looked up the graphic novel apparently in that in sandcastle they actually just like 
I guess it's very ambiguous of like something about that's going on. It didn't really get into like exact detail, but it was saying about how they kind of implied that something like that was going on and that you don't necessarily know. There's a lot of theories of what actually could happen. And as like the novel ends, it just kind of like leaves you kind of like, okay, what really happened while watching it? And knowing that I felt like they could have went the same route. To me, the idea of having people on this beach and implanting these kind of things to like basically like if they're already sick and it basically helps them like become better or something like that. Like it, like you said, it has a lot of things about morality and like, I don't know, it, it just feels very messed up and it feels very dark and sinister. But the way they execute in the movie is so clumsily put. There's so much exposition. They even try to like almost tie it like it would be a sequel. Like, oh yeah, we got to go to Warren Warren that's upstairs. We got to talk to the big boss. And then you see, we go back to the characters that we already know escaped. And it goes on for so long. It's like, okay, we didn't really learn anything. They make it out of the water. And then they go to the guy who was a police officer, which was such a plot device in the beginning of the movie that I knew was going to come back. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. And then they get the police officer. And then they're basically like, oh, like this person did this, blah, blah. And it just kind of like ends. And you just like, just see like a nice, like, like a shot of like the land. And you're just like, okay, like what else to the movie here? I feel like if they left it open to the audience, I think it would have been a lot more sinister. And I feel like it would have definitely driven home that idea of like, wow, what really did happen? I feel like the whole movie was so concerned about this twist rather than the allegory that was already setting up. And it ruins parts of the movie because I feel like I'd go back. I'd be like, all right, this is what he was doing the entire time. I don't know. I it's just not as interesting at least something like the village when it had that big twist it also had a lot to say about like the society and how people built this up and there was like a couple twists in the village itself that i won't get into just in case anyone hasn't seen it and i feel like this one could have could have been properly done better so i want to mention some I'll, I'll tell you my favorite part of the movie and then i'll tell you a really good callback that I enjoyed that you just said that you hated and was predictable. So the little kid is asking everybody, uh, what's your name? What do you do for work? Like stuff like that. And at first when he was asking everybody, I'm like, if like, why is he asking everyone? Like, that's so weird. That's such a weird thing to do. Like to go up to strangers and say, give, give me your name and your occupation. So I did think that was weird. And I didn't really know what they were going with that. Um, you know, sometimes with a case of like mild autism and stuff like that, that could be like a tick. So I thought that maybe that was like a tick that the kid had and they were going to dive into that later. Uh, they didn't. But then at the end of the movie, he goes and he says, your name is whatever and you're a police officer. So I thought that, that I, even though you didn't like it, I thought that was a nice callback because I was wondering the whole time, why does he care what everyone's doing for work? Um, but my favorite part of the whole movie, and I'd like to hear both of your guys' discussions on this, is the fact that, yes, they're aging, but what happens to the mind as you're aging? What happens to the body? And that was something that I didn't, I wasn't thinking about before seeing this movie. All I was thinking about is these people are going to get wrinkles, they're going to die. I wasn't thinking about the mind. You see the doctor starting to show signs of like, dementia or Alzheimer's and I thought that was probably the most interesting part was the doctor and his rapid decline because I've seen that before I worked in a dementia ward so I've seen that happen 
obviously not in a day, but, and then also the guy losing his uh, sight, the woman losing her hearing, those types of things I, I wasn't even thinking about. So I'm really glad that they decided to incorporate that into the movie and not just show people with wrinkles. Honestly, I feel that the concept wasn't even really executed that well. Like, it mostly focused on the kids. Like, the kids are the only ones who had that big a change. But, like, the adults didn't really look that different, I felt, you know? Like, if, like, most of the movie, they still look exactly the same, even though at this point it would have been, like, what, 20, 30 years more? So, yeah, the whole, like, I see what you're saying. The whole, like, mind thing was interesting. But, I mean, like, the physical aspect of it was weird. And that's another thing I meant when I said he was kind of lazy too, is that they could have spent more money on makeup or something. I, I get what you're saying. I, I did think about that too when I was watching the movie. Um, I just decided not to make a big deal out of it, but I do understand where you're coming from, that they could have de they could have um, not de-aged them. They could have aged them a little bit more with like CGI or makeup or something. I, I agree with you on that. They could have done that. Yeah, I, I agree with you both of you guys. Um both, both your takes. I also like how he was able to shoot them because originally there really isn't like, cause then this is when the writing gets good. I felt like when he starts having dementia, they don't flat out say it. Or when he's starting to lose his sight a little bit or the hearing, like the woman just puts her hand on her ear and like lets it go. I wish there was more dialogue a lot of like written things that were like that because i found it to be the most interesting but then there are times where they like kind of just talk down to the audience and that wasn't the most interesting aspect for me i also think that being able to have like all these like different characters i felt like i didn't really like it as much but i do like how they kind of progress and they change and like the mind thing was a really nice detail the M9 is so good at, but then there's other things where you're having just meaningless dialogue about backstories that just feel so surface level and just making this guy the rapper and then this guy, the average boy, the average girl, like, it just didn't do it for me. Um, but if we're going to talk about favorite scene, my favorite scene is probably before they go into the coral reef. I honestly should have thought it should have ended there where it's Alex Wolf and I think it was Thomas McKenzie, right? Or whoever the girl was, right? And they were like, oh, let's just build a sandcastle. And they start building the sandcastles. And I thought it would be a great way of them just kind of accepting their death. And like very morbid, but it would have been so interesting because like I looked at the movie as an allegory, right? Of like aging and death and like how you pretty much just lose people as you go along. But if you stick together, you make it through time. And I kind of wished like the last shot was just them building the sandcastles and cut. And I'd be like, wow, that's really dark. And they didn't go all the way through with it. I just thought it was such a nice, meaningful, and emotional moment that I thought was done really well. I'm glad you said that because that was also a really beautiful moment between a brother and a sister of them needing to escape. But he just wants to build a sandcastle and kind of forget about his worries. And, you know, eight hours ago, mom and dad died. But you know what? Let's just build a sandcastle. I, we still have each other. I, I'm really glad you said that. That was a nice touching moment between siblings. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. Let's talk about some of the horror stuff because this was somewhat built as a horror movie. And that's another thing I don't feel was executed well whatsoever. Like I said this in my review, the stillborn baby scene, my feeder laughed. My feeder literally laughed when she came out and she was pregnant. Which, first off, that was just disturbing. Like, these are basically, they were six years old, like, 
two minutes ago and all of a sudden she's trying to that was really creepy like what the hell but then she has the kid in like a second and then it dies immediately my theater laughed okay so the heart is supposed to be a really horrific thing obviously but my theater laughed at that okay like it, it just did not work and even just like some of the other stuff too it was just like okay the one guy drowns uh the one uh who else died a mid-sized sedan great name by the way he was just shanked, okay <laughs> whatever and yeah i don't know the horror stuff did not really land for me at all yeah see i don't i don't see this movie as a horror movie it's more of a thriller like the girl climbing up the ledge that wasn't scary but it made me nervous for her character and that's what he was trying to express i don't think that this was supposed to be a horror movie and if it is then it was a horror movie for someone that isn't into horror movies to like kind of get them into it you know without without showing them friday the 13th or um nightmare on elm street and like totally grossing them out or disturbing them this is like a good jumping off point i think yeah i'm gonna agree with jared on this one i think it's a psychological horror just because the implications of it is very disturbing and there's a lot of death and I'd say it's still a thriller because there are ways of them like trying to escape and there's like the whole like big twist aspect and they're trying to escape the island. But I think like the ideas of it are very terrifying. I almost like the first thing I thought of, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on the horror. If Ari Aster made this movie, I think it'd be a lot scarier. And I think because he's so good at psychological horror, I feel like this would have been a very terrifying movie. I feel like there were ways they could have used sound they could have used different really interesting angles, but most of this movie, I did feel like it was like that teenage horror movie kind of thing where like something like Fantasy Island, sometimes it came across that way. And there were people in my theater laughing and making fun of it. But to me, I was like, am I just having a bad crowd or is it just them just actually thinking it's funny? And so then I was really messed up with the tone but there are times where I agree with you, Jared, where things just like people just kind of start dying out of nowhere. And it became so ridiculous. And some of it was just like, oh, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to stab you with this knife. And it came off like a little silly. But I don't know. I think if it was made by a different director and had a better execution, I think this movie would have been better. If they remake this movie in like 20 years from now, I think it'll be better. So I don't like... For people listening, I don't want anyone thinking and I don't want you guys thinking that this is like going to be my number one movie of the year because I'm defending it so much. It's not. (laughs) But So I will give you guys a couple things that bothered me that I did not say in my review now that I've had a couple days to think about it. So a couple things that bothered me was I wrote them down too. One, the plot line of the parents' divorce was pointless that didn't need to be in there. Um, there was no, I wasn't invested in that storyline. I didn't care about it. Um, you guys mentioned this earlier, the kids aging and the parents thinking that it's a virus or something. And then they keep aging and they're just, they're telling the doctor to check out their child and stuff like that. If I was the doctor, I would have been like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like they aged. I'm sorry. My hands, what do you want me to do? So that bothered me that they kept insisting it was a virus. And then the last thing was the cast on the beach taking as long as they did to figure out that it was time. 
And I think that the person that kind of broke that was the doctor when he cut mid-sized sedan. But even then, there were still some people in that beach that was like questioning it. And like, if I saw that, I would have been, I'm not the smartest guy, but I would have been able to figure it out, you know? And I feel like it took, it took them too long to come to that conclusion that time is running quickly. That was actually one thing that really bothered me too, was the character's reactions to what was going on. Like a virus, a virus, yeah. Like I've definitely heard of viruses that age people like five years and like a couple minutes. So that definitely exactly. makes sense there. But even just like when the characters are dying, like the old lady who was like the doctor's mom, she died and nobody cared after like two minutes. Like I don't even think she was mentioned again after that. Like her body would still be on the beach, right? You know, just like, but no, that was never like, they didn't care about the horror stuff that was going on. It was just weird. But I, the concept is good though. I do like the concept of like, you're not just living like one last day, you're living your entire life in one day. That's a really scary concept. Like I said, execution, I just feel wasn't there. Yeah, I agree with you, Jared. I almost feel like this movie, like each death should have been very horrifying. But there was a point where it was a section where like thing, bad things just start happening. It's just like, okay. But then there are plots of the movie where then it just doesn't really happen. It, like, I feel like there's no, like, I get like the whole thing about how time just kind of moves on its own. Like, I, I like that concept. But then there's times where just people just die out of nowhere and you, you kind of just don't care. Like, you kind of just like, okay, like each death should have been very significant and almost jaw dropping every single time to make us really care about the characters. But I didn't give a crap about any character in this movie. I didn't care what happened. I was just kind of curious to see what was going to happen. And that's like, to me, like why I gave it a five out of 10, because like, it is very entertaining to see all this stuff happening. I wasn't really entirely bored with it. And like, I just think it's a whatever movie because we have seen him make movies like Lady in the Water that I literally could not stand watching. And I thought those characters were annoying and awful. I just thought these characters were just so basically poorly written, but. Do you guys think that this is a movie you'll ever rewatch or no? Nah. Hey, if one thing that movie taught us is that life is too short, right? So I'm not going to give any more time to that movie. Uh, I think I will, but not like anytime soon. I feel like maybe down the road, maybe if like some like, I don't know, someone was like revisiting, like, hey, let's revisit old. Was it as bad? Or was it as good as we thought it was? Maybe down, maybe like a 10 year anniversary or something. That. That is just as bad as what Jared said, because you're basically saying that you're only going to watch it if you're forced to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just felt like I got everything out of it, whereas something like like signs, I feel like there's more to get out of it on each rewatch. And you like the characters more. I just felt like like, again, if you don't really care about the characters most of the time you're not going to rewatch it again unless it's like a horror movie and you have a really great villain and like a slasher kind of movie but this is supposed to be focused on the characters like we're supposed to care about them and i didn't and that doesn't make me want to rewatch it another thing that i thought was really weird too kind of about the characters was how unaffected they were not just with the deaths but just like like the whole baby death thing that didn't affect any of them. That would be like a traumatic experience, you know, and they didn't care. It was like nothing affected these characters. Like they didn't feel like they were real people. So yeah, I didn't care about them either. Do you guys want to move on to other M. Night movies and uh, discuss those a little bit or? Yeah, I think we should do, um, 
I think we should talk about our favorite and least favorite in this filmography. Okay. Um, before we get into that, I actually, I didn't tell you guys about this, but I wrote down a couple um, trivia things about M. Night that I wanted to share with you guys and Ooh. see if you guys have heard about this before, because I was actually really surprised on, on at least one of them. Okay, so one, if we're still talking about old, as of this recording, Tuesday, July 27th, it's made $23.5 million worldwide off $18 million budget. So that means to break even, it still needs to make about $31 million. I don't think that it's going to break even. I think that this movie is going to lose the studio a little bit of money. If I'm just going to be honest um, with the way that they're tracking right now, I don't know if it's going to make another $31 million. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I don't know, because you get to think about like worldwide numbers too, and not every country has seen it yet. Um, I think it'll probably break even. I mean, it did well over the weekend. Um, cinema scores like a C plus. It's not great. I think it'll. I think it'll break somewhat even because it is such low budget, and I don't know. We'll see. I'm. I'm curious to see how the second weekend drop at the box office goes. Okay. Well, if you guys did not know this, I got this from IMDb, just so you know. So take that as you will with credibility. Uh, it states on IMDb that M. Night's favorite movie of all time is Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I thought that that was a little surprising. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, yeah, he's very... never really made a movie like that. So I'm kind of curious about that. I was that. thinking <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, he's never made a movie like that but it states on there that it's his favorite. So that's a little odd, but I can't argue against Indiana Jones because I also love Indiana Jones. Well, he was hailed as being the next Spielberg when his career was still good. Yes. That is, that is very that. true. Yes. Another thing, this one really surprised me. I don't know if you guys know about this, but he turned down the opportunity to direct a Harry Potter movie three times. Thank God. <laughs> no for real for real seriously he turned down doing the first one the sorcerer's stone because he was um in post-production for unbreakable so he wasn't able to do that and then he turned down uh the prisoner of azkaban so that he could do signs and i forget the reason why he did why he said no to goblet of fire but he turned down goblet of fire also Spielberg turned down the first one too. Yeah. I also saw that on there. Yeah, he also turned down the first one. Is it because he can't film the movie in Philadelphia? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> that was one thing cool about Old. Actually, I forgot to mention that that it was the, one of his few movies to be to take place outside of Philadelphia, and it was the first one to be filmed completely outside of Philadelphia. And it was one of the first movies that was filmed entirely in the pandemic, right? To be released? Yes. Uh, uh, they did it last well, like, summer. I mean, they want to be just about as open as it gets. Right? Yeah, they filmed it last summer. Yeah. So uh, my favorite Shyamalan movie definitely has to be Unbreakable. Unbreakable is a movie that is, it was honestly very ahead of its time. Like, you know, a superhero movie like that about a guy who doesn't really know that he can do this kind of stuff. I mean, it came out in 2000, which is kind of when the superhero renaissance happened with like X-Men and all that. And so it should have been made way later than it was, but it came out and I think it's a really cool movie. Like it has a really cool style to it. Like the color palette, how they use the characters is really cool. 
the twist is great. I heard a lot of people don't like the twist, but I think it's a really good twist. It adds a lot to it after the fact. And yeah, it's, it's a really just, it's, it's a really heartwarming story about a guy who he kind of finds himself. Like he says, he's kind of a sad person, but then he kind of realizes who he's meant to be, especially the scene where he chokes the guy to death. It's like a really long scene of a, it just, it's like completely unbroken of him just like choking this guy out. And that's kind of what he's meant to do is to help. Of course, that's murdering someone. It's kind of a bad way to show it maybe, but I mean like, hey, that's, he's meant to help people. And I think it's a really cool story. And then uh, least favorite has to be The Last Airbender. Like I talked about that or like how disrespectful it is. It's so, even, just, even if you don't watch the show, like the acting is atrocious. The writing is so bad. It doesn't even feel like a movie. It feels like a series of vignettes. It kind of <laughs> is. Because they pretty much took like one scene from one episode, like every four episodes. And that was like the whole movie. So it doesn't flow well at all. And the effects aren't even that good. The fighting is also really bad. Like how it takes like seven people to move one rock. It's just top 10 worst movies of all time. Hands down. Shyamalan should never have had a career after Last Airbender. <laughs> That's my take on it. Brad, what are your all right. favorites? In all right. Movies? So I'll, so I guess I'll talk about the sixth sense. Everyone loves that movie. Most people it's their favorite um, I've seen it twice already. I feel like I got so much more out of it the second time around. I feel like it was the perfect amount of just being able to be creative and just using the stars that you have and just making a very iconic original story. My least favorite is Last Airbender, of course, but I do want to make mention of After Earth, which I think is his second worst. That movie is so bad. It's so boring. And the acting is so laughable that I can't believe that I rented it just because I wanted to watch it. Um, I think the whole idea of having Will Smith have like make the movie about trying to get Jane Smith to like up his career is so funny. Cause he's like, Oh man, he did pursuit of happiness, the karate kid. Let's just do after earth together. Right. Father, son stuff. And it was so bad. It kind of ruined Jane's career a little bit. I mean, he's now doing music and he's doing solid for himself, but that movie, oh, just awful. <laughs> so before I talk about my favorite and least favorite, hearkening back on what Jared said, I think this is going to make you very happy, Brad, and maybe even like relieve you because I know how much you love the original Spider-Man movies. On that trivia sheet, I didn't put it down, but M. Night was also offered Spider-Man. Oh, so no. He turned it down. <laughs> he turned it down because he already did Unbreakable. <clears throat> and it said that he felt like he already told a comic book movie. He doesn't need to do another. So I think that that should give you a little bit of relief because I know how much you love Spider-Man. <laughs> That's crazy. Shyamalan and Spielberg turned down the same movies. Yeah. Maybe Spielberg turned it down first. He's like, oh, I want to be like Spielberg. I, I got to turn it down too. Maybe. Aren't you happy though that he did? Oh, no, absolutely. I feel like, I mean, St. Raimi, I mean, I love St. Raimi. So I feel like having him as a perfect choice is great. I mean, I will give M. Night credit, though. I Like, as much as he's turned down these movies, I think he did realize that they could be franchise movies. And at least, like, he's always kind of wanted to make his own movies. I, like, I, I give him credit there. As much as, like, some of his movies, like, can be bad, at least you do feel like this is his vision and he wants to tell it the way it is. I have to respect that a little bit. Yeah, I feel that. My least favorite, 
I'll go opposite of you guys. My least favorite, we're all in agreement, is uh, Avatar, uh, The Last Airbender. So we were discussing throughout the week about all of us trying to watch as many M. Night movies as we can, but we all have busy lives. One of the ones I did attempt to try was The Last Airbender. And I told you guys about it and I wasn't lying. I turned it off. I, I, couldn't, I could not waste my time on it anymore. I think I got 32 minutes in and I just gave up. I, I couldn't do it. Well, it gets worse from there. Well, this is the second time I've tried watching it. And around the same like time mark is where I, I exit out. So I don't even know how it ends because I can't finish it. I just, I just can't. Like the only thing, the only way I think I can finish this movie is have you guys seen the Clockwork Orange? Okay. That, like is, opens his eye. that is the only way that I think I can finish this movie is if someone like opens my eyelids for me and forces me to watch it. Other than that, I I don't think I can ever even try watching this movie again. It's so bad. Well, you won't be cured, I'll tell you that. <laughs> On to a positive note, though. Um, my favorite, I'm actually glad that we all have different favorites. I really like Split. That, to me, was, because like I said, I've never really been a big fan, but that, to me, when I saw that movie, I was interested in watching his movies again. I was interested in seeing more from him. So if the performance alone, just from James McAvoy, like says it all, like Split is such a, a good movie and, you know, not even the end credit where you see Bruce Willis, like even before that, it was a good movie until you realized the twist. And, you know, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is always awesome. This was, one, I think this was one of her first movies before she kind of like broke out. Yep. But yeah, that the personality difference that James McAvoy is able to bring to the screen uh it's just it's amazing it's it's not the best movie ever but out of M. Night's movies I think that that is the one that I would lean towards re-watching first if you put all of them in a row in front of me I'm going to pick that one first all right so uh we had my movie recommendation from last week 310 to Yuma we did Trace I know you did not see it but Brad did you get a chance to watch it yeah, I actually had a chance to watch it last night, and I really love the film a lot. Uh, I thought it was one of those movies that, like, if you're not really a big fan of Westerns, like like we were talking about last week, I think you can really like this movie, because one of the things it does so well is that it kind of, it's very simple story, but it obviously is complicated as you go along, but... I feel like the essence of it is very genuine and I would like to see the original film. I do want to go back and watch that because I don't want to necessarily rate the movie yet just because like, I don't know what they took from that original movie, but standing on its own, I feel like did such a great job. The action is really good and the dialogue is great. I love the ending. I won't spoil what it is. I thought it was the perfect way of the ending to do so. And Christian Bale is very toned back in this movie and just seeing how much range he can have along with Russell Crowe when he was really good was also a nice surprise. So I have to recommend this movie to everybody. I think this is a great movie. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. So like Jared said, I was not able to watch it, but I did buy it. So I have the movie. I just, I haven't had time to watch it. I've been busy. So you, I'm, I'm, and I'm not a Western fan. So you saying that you think that the average person that's not into Westerns can still enjoy it, 
Um, I'm, I'm, I was already excited because Jared recommended it. So I'm even more pumped to watch it now. I just need to, you know, take two hours of my life to sit down and watch it. And I want to make sure that I'm fully invested in watching it and I'm not doing something else like multitasking. So I want to make sure my full attention's on it. So yeah, next week, I'll definitely check it out. I own it. So it's not going anywhere. So Brad, you have a recommendation for us too, though, before we end the episode, right? Yeah. So I would like, so now with the new Cohen brother, I think Joel Cohen, uh, they released a, a poster of the tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand. I've been super excited to see some Cohen brothers movies. I thought that we should check out raising Arizona with Nicholas cage. Uh, it's a very pretty much, I think under 90 minute um, comedy drama film. And I don't know anything about it. I own the movie and it just looks like a great movie. And just seeing, if you just look up Nicholas cage's haircut, it makes you just want to watch it. Just like his whole persona just looks great. And I'm excited to watch it. So you haven't even seen it yet. No, I have I don't know anything about it. So I'm not going to tell you guys anything about the movie. And I just want to go in and see what happens. <laughs> and just so everyone knows, these recommendations are not just for us three. They're also for you. If there's a week going by that you just really don't know what to watch, you've already watched all your favorite TV shows, stuff like that. So these recommendations are for the listeners also. And you guys are welcome to recommend anything for us. And if you want us to go a little bit more in depth on it, maybe it's just some weird, strange movie, we would be happy to do so. Yeah, so definitely what Brad said, any recommendations that you guys have, we're definitely open to talking about that. Also, not only for films, but for topics also. Uh, I'm looking right now for the email that I have set up for the Only Film Fans podcast to see if I can get that for you guys. Okay, so if you guys have any questions or you have any recommendations of topics you want us to listen to or talk about, sorry, you can email us at onlyfilmfans at gmail.com. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so before we go ahead and end this episode, why don't we tell everyone where they can find us and our adventures online? And then uh, I guess I'll see you guys next week. Jared, why don't you start off? So you can find me on YouTube at Jared Talk Cinema. And on the channel, I do movie reviews and whatnot. So just come by. It's a good time. Uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's also Jared Talk Cinema. Twitter's a little bit different because that's one letter too long for a Twitter handle. So right now, until I change it to something else, my Twitter handle is at Hot Sauce Hour Ago, which is a line from Tenet. So that's where you guys can find me. Awesome. Uh you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find me on YouTube at Let's Be Real with Brad, which is the B is just a regular B R E E L as in Cinema Real. And you can find me all in those places. If on Twitter it's Let's Be Real with B, just use variations of it of looking me up. So yeah, and you can find me also on YouTube on Pierce Productions. You can listen to this podcast, not only on all podcast forms, but also the, the uh, video version is on YouTube under the same name, Only Film Fans Podcast. And on Facebook, you can find me under Pierce Productions where I have updates. And you can find Only Film Fans Podcast on Facebook where we'll post updates and stuff about the episode that we're going to be talking about and stuff like that. So until then... I guess I'll talk to you guys next week. See you guys next week.